I mean, if we look at, you know, successful people, it's not the people that just took advantage of people all over. But if you're not helping people, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to die. And people are going to see what you're doing. And they're going to know that you're not in it for them. Whatever it is, I mean, real estate, business, you know, working a nine to five. You can tell when the cashier at uh, McDonald's or Burger King is having a really bad day and they're, they really don't care about your order. <laughs> and so, and, and you can tell the ones that do too. I mean, it, it, it works both ways. Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. All right, guys, we have Dave Peppelmeyer on today. Super excited to dive into your story, Dave. Your story is, is a wholesome story. It's a story about community, which we love because on this show, we talk about freedom, but we also talk about purpose. And so the rationale that you had for getting into investing in the first place was tied to your connection to your community by going to the University of Toledo with your wife and then desire to provide a better housing situation than what you experienced. So we're crazy excited to dive in not only to your portfolio and your strategies, tips, but the stories and what you're trying to accomplish. So if you can get us started today, tell us the story, Dave, of how you thought of going into housing and, and how did this thing start to evolve? <laughs> well, it, it was definitely a, uh, a winding road. So uh, so, uh, so I started out, I graduated from the University of Toledo in 2000, and I spent 20 years as a physical therapist. So, uh, so from uh, 2000 to 2020, I was a, I was a physical therapist. My wife was a music teacher. And so, uh, so when we first started out, you know, just, you know, we weren't really just doing anything besides working. And so I did start to get a little bit of an interest in finance. And so I was working with a personal finance company. And so just helping people with, you know, mutual funds, insurances, things like that, nothing too crazy. But both of us just realized that, you know, that was not you know, the vehicle that was for us just in the, I mean, once again, teacher, physical therapist, I mean, we were not hardcore bulldog salespeople. <laughs> and so, so that didn't work out for us, but we did learn a lot about just business in general and money. And along the way, we read this little book, this little book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And so, uh, so yeah, so as I'm sure most, a lot of people listening to this uh, podcast can attest that is, you know, the most influential, simple book that, you know, anyone who is either looking or not even looking to get into real estate, but reads and it opens their eyes, you know, so that's kind of what really uh, kind of pointed us in that general direction. And so, and so for us, it was just, you know, it's, you know, passive income. It's not like a day to day grind. It's absolutely a marathon. And so, uh, so we started in 2013, really earnestly looking at real estate. And so we really didn't have anybody, you know, in our families or friend circle that, you know, that did real estate. And so we, you know, took a class actually from Robert Kiyosaki, uh, his education company. It was a six month class once a week online. And so it really did just give us a nice base knowledge of how to do real estate. And so we probably spent 
got three or four thousand on that that we really didn't have back then <laughs> and so so uh but you know most of that stuff that we learned about is free today and just with you know podcasts youtube you know the bigger pockets community things like that it's just it's fantastic at what you know people starting out you know looking to invest in real estate have at their fingertips today i'd like to and like so, to dive uh, in in here a little bit so you mentioned three to four thousand dollars you don't have and this is kind of a similar trend we see a lot of our guests did they took the plunge they took the leap now looking in retrospect best decision of your life would you do it again <laughs> would you advise people to spend money they don't have on education give, give us some context so so you know this it's you know to figure out the roi on that three thousand dollars it would be stupid crazy um so so with that being said though i mean to take the plunge i mean i mean yes there's free there's free education out there that can give you some basics but you know if you're going to spend some money make sure you're getting an education and not getting sold something and so unfortunately you know there are courses and people out there that i haven't personally encountered but i've met you know people at like a real estate conference or you know ria or something like that that did spend you know so many thousands of dollars and they're basically just bird docking for someone and so and so that's not education that's that's being sold something so so i mean as as long as you as long as you can figure out kind of what direction you want to go then yeah go for it you know spend three four hundred bucks on a weekend seminar you know you don't have to spend three or four thousand but it's just it's just what we had to do at that point and you know and obviously you know robert kiyosaki was a very trusted name so that's why that's why we did it and so but that worked out for us and when you say that figuring out the ROI would be crazy, just so it's clear, that means you made a lot of money, right? Like it was crazy in a good way, right? Like, like, yes, good, 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 good. And just so, so just, you know, the, the whole net worth thing, which I really, I really don't look at. I am a not very complex, you know, cash flow, you know, type, you know, investor. And so, and so we're, I mean, are we, I mean, if we didn't reinvest everything, would we be cash flowing right now? Of course we would, but you know, but we are still pouring everything back in. We're building our business the right way. We're replacing windows. We're replacing roofs. We're putting in egress windows in the basement, in the basement bedrooms. You know, just all that stuff. That do we have to do? No, but it's one of those things to where, when it does come time to flip the switch and be done, we're going to be done. I mean, we're not going to have like eight roofs that are on their last leg. We're not going to have, you know, the windows that are still the 1930 original windows in the house and things like that. But, uh, but yeah, so, but the ROI, you know, once we get to the end and we flip that switch, it's going to be nice. <laughs> yeah. And I'm so stoked about this because this brings up a topic I don't think gets covered enough, which is the idea of playing the infinite game versus a finite game. Most people don't want to do these things because they're they're caring about now's short term, you know, the amount of money that they're going to make this year, and they're planning on always selling. Is it fair to say that the reason you're investing in these because you're committed to these things long term, like you'd be committed to a marriage? These properties. Oh, this is it. This is our retirement. I mean, there is nothing else. We are. I mean, we are beyond all in. 
<laughs> and so and so if I so if this doesn't work out, um, we got we Houston, we got a problem. So uh, so so yeah, so so we are absolutely married to this because it's just it it fits us. It fits our personality. It fits our lifestyle. You know, it just fits our general mindset. Besides accounting, we both hate accounting. We have a, the best bookkeeper in the world. But um, <laughs> but but yes, it's it's definitely it is a long game. And so the numbers on paper that I see, you know, do I see that in my bank account? No, because I'm pouring everything back into it. And so, and so for that front door money, you know, that's why I'm, I'm a licensed realtor, Michelle, my wife, she's also a licensed realtor now. In fact, she was a realtor in 2015. So she got her license simply to look to be able, so we could go look for houses for ourselves. And so, uh, so in, in addition to doing that, she jumped in head first and it's like, Oh, you're, you're making money. This is cool. Good job, honey. Keep this up. <laughs> and so, so yeah, so, so both of us, you know, all of our front door money right now is, you know, just paying our living expenses, but everything else, it's just going into the houses. And so once we, again, once we come through and we, we have our 25 and half are paid down and, you know, those bank accounts are looking nice, it's, it's going to be all worth it at the end. Love this. I love it when the husband and wife teams get together, especially when they're working con congruently like you guys are. So you mentioned that you were a physical therapist. Your wife was a musical teacher. It sounds like you need a degree for both of those things. So let's talk about what that previous career was like. What drove you away? What were the things that pushed you towards real estate? Besides Rich Dad, Poor Dad, of course. <laughs> So, so I got into physical therapy, you know, basically to help people. I mean, that's what anyone who gets into healthcare is doing it for. It is to help people. Um, people that get into it for money, they usually don't end up lasting. As I say to myself, as I'm not in profession anymore. But, uh, <laughs> but no. So, so what? You know, I could, I, I could tell early on, unfortunately, that you know, me treating people and helping people was not the main goal of most companies. And so unfortunately, the goal is to make money as a business. And so no matter what company I worked with, it was all, it ended up being the same thing. It ended up being, we want you to build this. We want you to see this many people for this long time. And I was like, no, this person doesn't need therapy anymore. Or they only need 35, 40 minutes in a the clinic. They don't need an hour and a half. And I can't go for an hour and a half anyway. And so, so yeah, I mean, un unfortunately, just the bureaucracy, the paperwork, oh my, ask, ask any nurse or therapist or doctor about paperwork and they'll stab you in the eye with their pen. Um, so, so yes, it's just, you know, the, the bureaucracy, you know, administration, basically we're not really able to do what we want to do for people. And I was done. I, and, and again, you know, having, having the life experiences that we had with finance and discovering real estate and things like that, it did give us an out. And so, and so my wife, you know, when she left, when she left teaching, uh, after we have three kids. And so after our, after our second child, you know, we, we did the math. And so her working with a master's degree, she has a master's. I, I just have a lowly bachelor's degree. And so with her working with a master's degree, 
after subtracting childcare expense, like daycare expenses, uh, two thirds of her take home income was gone just for childcare so she could work. So at that point, you know, with me as a physical therapist, I could work weekends just for extra money. Like I could work in hospitals, nursing homes, what, whatever. People were always wanting more help. And so I was able to make up that extra third of her income by simply busting my butt six, seven days a week. And so she stayed home with our, with our two oldest and everything. And it was great, except for the fact that I was working six to seven days a week every week all year and so so again you know as you know as a professional you get tired and burnout is you know you, you hear about that excuse me in the news oh no it's so underreported it's ridiculous and so most i and unfortunately most people in healthcare, if you gave them an option of a different career i feel they would be gone so, so yeah, so, you know, healthcare reform, hopefully, you know, they talk about healthcare 3.0 coming. Hopefully it does for everybody still in the field and for us too, as patients. But, uh, but no, Tim, to answer your question, yeah, it's just, you know, that was not what I signed up to do. And so I, I truly do miss working with people, but I'm still helping people. I'm still helping, you know, these, you know, the college kids and, and normal, normal people too. You know, we don't have, I'd probably say 25% of our rentals are occupied by just normal people, you know, that aren't students. But between that and then just helping people as a realtor as well, you know, I work with investors. And so, yeah, so basically I help my clients just do what I did. And I thought it was fun. I still think it's fun. So, so yeah, so I get to help people, but it's just in a different way. So awesome. One question I have that's kind of off tangent here a little bit, but I'm curious because I left my first profession, which was teaching, which I loved for very similar reasons, bureaucratic in that sense, you had to teach a specific way. You're two, you're two houses away from your financial freedom goal. Like, do you see yourself have having a desire to go back into that space and recreate it? in a way that's workable or, or have you left the health industry for good? No, uh-uh, no way. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, you know, I, I you know, I, I feel like, you know, I, I gave therapy in the health profession 20 years of my life. And so I think I did some, I mean, I, I did good work. I mean, I really do feel like I did help a lot of people, but, but no, I mean, it's just the freedom you have as, you know, a realtor and investor I mean, it's like, so my, my six-year-old unfortunately has the flu. And so I was able to stay home today. I did a couple showings first thing in the morning and I came home and I was here. I hung out. I still did work, but I was here. I was here with my, with my sick little guy. And so, you know, if you're working, you know, in, even if you own your own clinic or business, I mean, you're gone, you know, so, so to answer your question, Matt, no, I have no desire. <laughs> I love that. I'm, I'm in a similar boat. I mean, because you get the same sense of satisfaction because the desire really is to help people. So when you're helping people in, invest and grow their portfolios and have more freedom in their life, it fulfills a lot of those des deeper desires in you to help people. So yeah, that's awesome. Absolutely. Talk to us a little bit about the goal. You set a goal. It sounds like almost from the very beginning, like 25 houses is my number. When I hit that number, I'm good. So talk to us about the development of that goal and where you're at in that process. 
So a few years ago, uh, my wife Michelle and I, we, you know, we sat down and it's like, all right, we're we're getting bigger here. We should probably figure out what the heck we're actually, you know, looking to do. What is our goal? And so, uh, so living in Toledo, Ohio, you know, Midwest city, cost of living is pretty darn cheap around here. Um, I lived in Seattle for five years in the mid 2000s, so I can, you know, I kind of have that reference point of like a big, you know coastal city or like a Chicago or a, you know, Houston or something like that. And so in Toledo, Ohio, you can, you can live pretty well on $150,000 a year. I mean, and, and I know in a lot of places that buys a parking spot, but you know, in Toledo, it's fine. And so, so my wife and I, you know, we're, we're not looking to drive luxury cars. We're not looking to live the lifestyle. You know, we love our kids. We want to help, you know, we want to be there for our kids. We want to, you know, go places, travel with our kids, things like that. You know, but, you know, but we figured with the 25 houses, with half of them free and clear, you know, so, so yeah, so 25 is the purchase goal, but we still got a ways to go on paying those bad boys down. There's, there's, there's no mistaking that. We're not, we're not two years from Boca or anything like that. But, um, but no, so, uh, so 25 houses, half paid down, we're financially independent. And so, uh, and so even, you know, to run the houses at that point, you know, if, if we didn't want to do student housing, which it's, it's definitely enough of a niche that, you know, that my company is actually a property management company as well. And so they managed our houses for the last year and a half, which was completely essential for my growth as a realtor as you know as someone like a real estate professional if i was managing all my houses this time i probably wouldn't be where i am as a realtor but now that you know i kind of have you know my feet underneath me i don't want to say i have all the answers no one does but i kind of got things figured out a lot more than i did two years ago but uh, but now at this point i will be taking all of those back at the first of the year and really kind of managing them myself but, um, but yeah, so, so the point being is, you know, yeah, two more houses, but still a ways to go. But that, but the light is definitely at the end of the tunnel. I mean, unless we, in, unless we really screw things up somehow, <laughs> which can always happen. I mean, it's always the old, there's black swans everywhere and, you know, who knows what's going to happen in our economy in the next few years. But, uh, but no, so, so that's, you know, that's where our, our goal lies. Love it. I just love the sense of community and slowness. Like there's a, there's a process to what you do. you mentioned earlier your two oldest kids. Do you have more than two? Yes, we have three. Awesome. So we have uh, 12, 10, and, and, uh, and a six-year-old. <laughs> cool. That's awesome. Can you take us deeper into like what appeals so much to you about like deep senses of community? I think one time, a lot of the things that we see in investors is they're very usually money-oriented, goal-oriented, not often as focused on the community at large. Like what, what draws you to being community-focused and what, what do you get from that? So, so when we first started, we weren't actually in student housing. We had, you know, three houses here in Toledo. And again, it wasn't, I mean, I don't want to call it a hobby, but we weren't pushing really hard. I mean, we were, you know, we were still figuring things out. I mean, self-managing, you know, figuring out our, you know, how are we going to show houses? What are we going to do to houses? So on and so forth. And then, um, and then one of our best friends with, 
actually our oldest child when he got into Cub Scouts. It's like, oh, you invest in real estate? Oh, so do I. Cool, man. And so we started talking and everything. And so he's the one that actually got me into student housing because he went to UT as well. And so, uh, so when we had bought our first uh, student housing rental, it was it was kind of a it was a game changer because I could see myself, my wife could see herself, you know, living in this house as college kids. And so and so when I went to school in the late '90s in the Stone Ages. Um, so back then, you know, there, the student housing was complete garbage off campus. I mean, there was a few good houses here or there, but there's two distinct areas right next to UT that are considered student housing. And most of them were just bombed out party houses. I mean, I know that because I went there and partied with my friends and so on and so forth. And when it came time to move off campus that was one that was the, that was one of the biggest reasons why i didn't actually live in the student housing area i lived in a apartment you know 10 minutes down the road was because it was garbage and so what we uh, typically did even before we started doing the student housing was we would we'd buy a house and we'd make it nice for people you know we would you know paint the house we would you know if the carpet needed change. We changed the carpet. You know, we replace all the electrical outlets and switches, and just make sure make sure it's a good house. And so, uh, so when we when we did that with our first uh, house around UT, and we got our first group of students in there, and just saw how much they liked it, that was pretty cool. And so, uh, so then we you know did it again and again and again, and so it's like, all right, this is our thing. And we ended up selling off our other three houses and just focus solely around the, the UT area. But but no, it's it, it's funny because you know being being 44 years old, it's def, I'm deaf like these these college kids can now absolutely be my kids, which is terrifying. But uh, <laughs> but at, at any rate, it's it's fun working with the college kids because we were there, we were all there, we were all uh, we were all a uh, completely blissfully ignorant. 19 20 year old at one time and so it's it's fun because you know when i move a group of students in you know we literally we sit down in the empty living room of the house and we have what i call the dad talk and it's like listen guys listen gals you know college is one of the best times of your life i had a blast in college i may have been not sober back in this neighborhood one or two dozen times yes it's it's okay just have fun but don't destroy the house. Literally, that is all you have to do is not destroy the house. If something's not working, if something's leaking, let us know. We're going to fix it. If the washing machine goes out, we'll fix it or get a new one. It's not a big deal. Just let us you know. Just let us know what's going on. Play beer pong in the basement. You know, have a party in the backyard. Just be nice to your neighbors. Let them give them the heads up. Hey, you know, we're going to have people over Saturday night. You know, here's my cell phone. If it gets too loud, give me a text. And just don't destroy the house. Have fun. And so, so honestly, you know, knock on wood, we no one's ever trashed one of our houses because I think we just have that initial communication of listen, we're gonna, we're, I don't want to be in your business. You know, just let us know what's going on. Have fun. Pay your rent and don't put holes in the wall. You know, it's really not that hard. 
<laughs> and so, so, so yeah. And, and honestly, looking back, I wish someone taught me how to live in a house. I mean, you know, most of these kids, this is truly the first time that they are not under someone's supervision, either mom and dad's house or a dorm. And so they got to be told, oh yeah, you have to turn the power and the gas on. Um, yep, you got to take the trash out. You know, that's why you have ants and that's why there's things crawling around, you know, things like that. And you, you literally, you have to tell these people. And how do we find out? We, we all found out the hard way, right? And so, uh, so yeah, so it's, it's fun. It's fun kind of helping these kids figure out how to live on their own, how to live in a house. Um, but, but yeah, so to, to kind of give, you know, to give back to the university community that really influenced my wife and I just, I mean, we're both who we are from our experiences at UT, you know, I mean, I mean, college kids, you know, they'll have those experiences, you know, wherever they go. But yeah, it's just, you know, I think Toledo was a great school for both of us. It's a great town and it's fun just making it a better place. Wow, Dave. I just, I love how wholesome you are, especially with you having the dad talk with the kids and everything. So, so this is going to be a great question, I think, because um, you're so close to your freedom goal, right? So like, do you find more fulfillment in the fact that that light is at the end of the tunnel and you could see it? Is right there. You're almost there. Or do you find more fulfillment helping these kids? Um, I mean, it's it's okay to say both. You know, I mean, I I mean, I still think we're. I mean, it's we're probably a good ten years away. I would I would say from you know paying down twenty three twenty five houses that you know were fully leveraged. I mean, again, you know, we're not coming from an investment banking background where we can just go drop cash for these for these properties here. I mean. You know, I did okay as a physical therapist and, you know, I talked about, you know, we all know teachers need to get paid two or three times what they currently get paid. So, uh, so, so yeah, I mean, we're, we're fully leveraged. I mean, there's no, there's no doubt about that, but, you know, but if you do it right, then it, I mean, again, you know, we have people paying rent. And so as you know, that covers more than everything, but, uh, but no, I mean, there's, I, I love the fact that we're, and the other thing too, sorry to kind of tangent here, is showing our kids what we're doing too. And so, so our oldest, um, all three kids are like super smart at math. I don't know where they get it from. It's not from me. It's not from my wife. I mean, I got A's, but I was never a math, you know, math wizard or anything. And so, I mean, these kids all are brilliant at math, but especially our oldest, I mean, he's 12. He knows what we're doing. He gets it. And so, uh, and even our 10 year old, you know, even though she wants nothing to do with it, you know, she understands what we're doing. And so, uh, and so we played, um, cash flow for kids, the Robert Kiyosaki game and everything. And so, uh, and so we played cash flow for kids. I want to say my oldest, he beat the big version when he was eight years old. And so, uh, and so, so yeah, so they understand what we're doing. And even if they don't want to follow our footsteps, they're at least going to know that, you know, there's more to life than a job. And you, you know, even, even with as smart as they are, if they said, dad, I don't want to go to school. I want to be a realtor. Or I want to do this or that. As long as you're going to be able to set up a business, go for it. I mean, go be a plumber, go be a lineman, you know, do something. I mean, I, I, I don't see them being in trades. 
but if they if they wanted to do that i would support that a million percent you know there's you know you don't have to go to school for four years to be successful and so and so we are showing them that to at least give them that option and so uh so that's you know once again another reason to you know why i love what we're doing is all of this stuff that we learned the hard way you know again we're showing our kids you know hey here's here's another way to do it look at what we're doing but um but now i mean and then that translates to being financially independent you know i watched my mom and dad kill themselves and michelle watched her mom and dad kill themselves too and so i mean they're both part of the boomer generation and so so yeah that's that's how you did it back then yeah. And unfortunately, it's not that way now. And so we were taught 1960s economics in the 90s and 2000s. And that didn't work for us. We, you know, we we definitely had a lot more debt than we should have. And not good debt, just lovely consumer debt when we were newlyweds and everything. So, uh, so luckily, we were able to stop going down that road soon enough before it got <laughs> so I, I need a, a Dave dad speech. So right. walk me through this. I'm 22 years old. I'm thinking about life. Uh, you know, I, maybe I just graduated college or just finished up trade school. Like how should I think about money? How should I think about like, cause you got, you have your real, real estate agent income. You have your investment income. What's the, what's the dad Dave advice financial advice you give to a 22 year old? Well, first things first, um, like what you do. And so you can, you know, you can be an engineer and be making oodles of money and just hate sitting in front of a computer all day. And so, and so that's where I was pretty much the last 10 years of my physical therapy career. I hated going to work. I just, I hated it. And so, and it wasn't because I didn't like my coworkers. It wasn't because I didn't like my patients. It's for all the stuff that we talked about earlier. It's just, it is not what I wanted to do. And so that was a very big driving force into getting us to where we are. And so my wife will tell you, I am much less of a cranky jerk than I used to be. It's kind of nice. And so, uh, and so, so yeah, so that 22 year old, you know, like what you do. You know, it, and if you don't know what you want to do, then, you know, try a few different things and figure it out. But, but once you find what, you know, what you want to do, okay. I mean, and I am not, you know, I know it is set the goals, visualize, so on and so forth. Truth be told, I am a horrible goal setter. I've, I set goals. I look and it just, you know, for, for me, it's like to, read goals every day and stuff it, it just does not work for me it does not work for us and so but you know the 22 year old what do you want to do you know do you want to have a family do you want to travel do you want to do you want to make oodles of money you know so you know figure out what you want to do you know but how you know how do you see yourself getting there and it's okay if you don't know right away I mean, it was, I mean, we were in our early thirties before we finally got, you know, into the right vehicle for us, you know, for, for us, it wasn't therapy and teaching. It wasn't personal finance for us. It was real estate. And so for that 22 year old, you know, real estate might not be the thing for you. You might have, you know, 
the you know the gift of of communication and you could go into sales you know you could you know it just it all depends on you know what you know what do you do well you know i mean it's we all need to improve on things but what do you do well and how can you how can you leverage that into a lifelong career lifelong business and just you know so again and again to fulfill yourself and maybe even help help a few people along the way I love how you squeezed helping people along the way in there at the end, Dave. That's fantastic. <laughs> well, <laughs> and I mean, it's fantastic advice. I mean, really, I mean, if we look at, you know, successful people, it's not the people that just took advantage of people all over the place. I mean, let's just, let's, let's look at uh, FTX right now and uh, see how that worked out for them. And so, uh, so, so yeah, it's just, you know, if, if you're not helping people, and again, really not trying to sound super hokey here, but if you're not helping people, I mean, it's it, it's it's gonna die, and people are gonna see what you're doing, and they're gonna know that you're not in it for them. They're, whatever it is, not, I mean, real estate, business, you know, working a nine to five, you can tell when the cashier at uh, McDonald's or Burger King is having a really bad day, and they're they really don't care about your order. <laughs> and so, and and you can tell the ones that do too. I mean, it it, it works both ways. So, so yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, helping you, you can't go wrong helping people. Bottom line. Love it. I've got a question. I apologize if it's, if it's uh too personal, do you regret spending a full 20 years in physical therapy? Absolutely not. Because I was, I was helping people every day. I mean, literally physically helping people. I was helping people get out of bed after a, after a heart surgery. I was helping pe people figure out how to get up steps to get back into their home. You know, I was helping people rehab from an ACL tear. I mean, no, I, I don't regret anything, you know, about being a PT for 20 years. It, again, it just, it was not going to fulfill, you know, myself personally. And, you know, I to be a PT at 65, good Lord, I would, no, no, that would not have been worked out well. Because <laughs> I, I think you describe a situation that is so true to people who go into professions where it's designed to help. Like I was a teacher. So there's a certain aspect of you that's fulfilled because you're doing a service. It's really helpful. It's tied to the core of who you are. And yet that system is failing you because it's not providing for your financial needs. It's a lot of times not providing for your innovation needs or, or these other things that we want to strive to as human beings. How did you kind of balance that conversation in your mind between I'm providing a valuable thing and I'm not being fulfilled? Like, was it something that just gradually got worse till like it was too loud to ignore or was there like a set goal there? Um, I mean, it, it definitely, the, the, the grumbling got worse over the years. And so, and, and again, that is one of the big reasons why, you know, internally i was looking for something else to do because i knew i was not going to last in this thing forever i mean mentally i mean work i mean and again talking about mental health and healthcare workers it's awful i mean you talk to anyone i mean stressed out doesn't do it justice i mean depression anxiety you know and yeah Gee, I wonder why I was eventually diagnosed with depression. Maybe because I hated my job and hated my life essentially outside of my family. And so, um, and so, and, and, and it, it was affecting my family too. I would, you know, I would, I would come home from work. I would eat dinner with my, 
with my small kids at that point, and I'd go into the basement and work for three hours and go to bed. Or on the other side, I'm either I'm either getting up at four o'clock in the morning, doing three hours of paperwork before I even start my day. I mean, I mean, yeah, that's not fun. And that's not exactly fulfilling. And so, so, you know, that was absolutely a driving force to find something else. So in a way, I mean, did it almost help me? I guess you could say that, but it was definitely not a fun experience to go through. And if, you know, my family, if you were a close friend of mine, you knew how bad I hated my career at that point. Oh, I believe it. Um, <laughs> you know, I, we hear this a lot, right? Like there's always this voice in the back of your head when you have a job like that, that you just, there's always something there. You, you said it was internal before. And, you know, if anybody out there has that voice that you just need more, that your job is not providing what you need, I, I encourage you to jump into it. So, Dave, I think this is a good transition point. Like, let's talk about how you found all these properties. What what kind of acquisition strategies are you using? So, so I mean, I, I mean, un unfortunately, it's been nothing, been nothing glamorous. I mean, we started by just buying properties off the MLS. And so, I mean, in 2016, 17, 18, you know, much different environment than it is now. And so, so we, you know, I've, I've always been a part of a local real estate group, either RIA or we had a, another local group here in Toledo called Property Investors Network Pen. I mean, we still do. But, um, but no, so I would, you know, I would go there and, and again, I am not a net worther. I, you know, when put me in a group of strangers and I'm perfectly content on keeping my mouth shut and just listening to other people talk. Totally fine with that. And so, but, but eventually, you know, people started to know that I did student housing because it's, it's a niche and, you know, and, and most investors don't want to touch it with a 10 foot pole. I mean, there's people at these meetings like, oh, I would never work with those kids. All they do is trash the house. Um, it, yeah, except for I'm getting $200 more a month in rent than I would if I were renting to a, in, in a normal area for the same house. But, you know, let's, let's not focus on that. Um, and so, so yeah, so people did end up find, you know, knowing that I did student housing. And so, so yeah, so that law of attraction thing is uh, actually kind of cool. And so, uh, so we actually have had a few houses, actually more than a few, that have fallen into our lap because people knew we did student housing. So like, like the house I mentioned earlier that we purchased this year from, you know, the gal lived, who lived next to one of our rentals, you know, she called off of our sign. And so, and then there's another, uh, there's another house that we have that is, that has pretty much hit the 2% rule at this point is because um, a friend of a friend of a friend of mine was looking to sell a house by UT. He told his friend, his friend told my friend or asked my friend if he wanted to buy the house. He's like, well, I don't, but I know someone who does. And so, so yeah, it's just, you know, so I would say, you know, a good portion of our properties la later on have come from just people knowing what we do. And even this past, this past year, you know, we purchased four houses this year. I had zero intentions knowing the crazy market we had for the first half of this year on buying four houses. And so the other three houses was for another investor who again, knew what I, you know, knew that I 
did student housing. He's like, hey, I'm selling off my properties around UT. Would you be interested in any? I'm like, well, sure. What do you have? I'm always, always open to listen. He drops a spreadsheet of 16 houses in my lap. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Um, <laughs> so, so we ended up buying three. And again, I wish I could have bought more because, you know, the numbers were there in a lot of those houses too. And so, uh, so yeah, so, you know, how did we do it? You know, it wasn't anything sexy at first, just, you know, buying houses off the MLS, making sure the numbers worked and knowing what the rehab was. And we did rehab a lot of them. In fact, we probably, I mean, none of our houses have been a gut job by any means, but, but again, we, we, we bomb proof things, you know, we paint, we replace the fixtures, we, you know, add a bathroom here or there, we add a bedroom with the egress window and so on and so forth. So we improve things, but they've, but they've never been like truly bombed out, you know, complete gut jobs. But, uh, but yeah, so, but really, you know, looking to get into real estate investing, it helps if you have a little bit of a niche. And so, and so, you, but you also have to talk about it too. And so being a natural introvert, which I know, and I've definitely gotten better over the years, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, again, I'm an extroverted introvert to where if you're a good friend of mine, you can't get me to shut up, but you put me in that room of strangers and yeah, I'm not overly excited about, you know, saying hi to a bunch of new people. This, this is so, <laughs> but, so interesting. So you say extroverted introvert. I had someone tell me and, and see if this resonates with you that I am an extroverted antisocial. So I want to be around people. I get energy from people. But if the topic is not within a, a, a number of things, then I'm like, hey, I'm, I'd rather just be reading or, or doing something else. Like, would you describe yeah. it that way? Yeah. It's like, you know, I can, I, can do, I can do social stuff for so long and then I'm done. And it's just like I'm either I'm going to bed or I'm locking myself in my office and playing my Xbox, which my wife loves when I do that which is probably a lot more often than I think it is, but, <laughs> but no, it's just, so, so yeah. So I enjoy people, but you know, there's, it's, it's, it's good, 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 good. And we're done. <laughs> <laughs> and good night. <laughs> yeah. That's so awesome. Wow. I mean, this, this is really, really cool. And I really like how you talk about the niche element because like you said, it's where deals start to happen and it's hard for people to think of you in every light, but it's a lot easier if it's like, hey, my goal is to own housing close to the college, it to look like this. Do you think you got any benefit from the fact that you do such nice rehabs and you take such good care of the properties? Is that factored into people giving you deals? Um, yes. I mean, people know that, you know, that we, you know, we don't have, you know, bombed out houses that we, we read to people so and and i've talked to people about you know all the work that we do put into the houses and and again you know i could be pulling money out of, out of our business right now but we're not and so uh so the fact that we do a good job and really you know that's one thing you know i guess you know personal business wise is i really do want to establish a brand of housing around UT. So when people hear UT Rentals, I want them to think of, oh, that's going to be a nice house. All right, Dave. So, I mean, I love what you're building over there. You're so proud of the branding that you're making and you're proud of just helping the city of Toledo and, you know, the people going to the college there. What I would love to know more about, since you work together with your wife, like how do you guys divide 
business and, you know, personal relationships. <laughs> so it depends on how busy both of us are. Um, so, <laughs> so there's times where I'm going gangbusters and, you know, she's a little slower. There's times where she has four or five higher end clients going and it's like, all right, honey, you, you do that. I will figure everything else out. And so, uh, so, so yeah, so it's just, you know, it's, it's in a constant state of flux, but, uh, but no, it's just, you know, communication and God bless Google calendars. Um, if it's not, if it's not in the calendar, it doesn't exist. <laughs> so, so no, it's just, you know, we have kids and they're getting to the ages where they're starting, they're starting to be in everything. I mean, my son's in on three travel soccer teams. The, you know, my middle, she does gymnastics and just other really artsy, creative stuff just all around town. The youngest, he's starting to get into soccer too. And so, so yeah, I mean, if, you know, anyone who has kids can understand that it's crazy enough and then throw real estate and rentals on top of that. And so, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's never a dull moment, but, um, but no, I mean, we, we find time to, you know, do stuff as a family and, and sometimes you just, you got to put the phone down and, you know, I mean, it, it stinks sometimes. Like we went to a Disney world for the one and only time this past February, it was a one and done. We did everything and I, I, I refused to go back again, Um, (laughs) but it was fun. It was fun. But, uh, but no, I mean, there was times where we were waiting in line and I'm sending texts trying to, you know, help my current, you know, properties and deals flow along and everything. So it's just, you know, it's a balance and it's, but it's, and again, it's a nice balance to be able to have because before I was, you know, I, I was, you know, working all the time and I wasn't going to Disney World. There's no way we could have done it. And so it's, it's, uh, so the crazy of real estate and being realtors, both of us, it's, it's a welcome challenge in the, in the, in the grand scheme of things. Awesome. You're well on your way towards financial freedom. A couple more property purchases and some paying down of, of the principal balances. But what would you say, like, if you were to win the lottery, have a billion dollars in your bank and a hundred lifetimes of cash flow, like, would your life change at all? And if so, how would it change? Um, I would go golfing for a month and and leave everybody behind and say, I'll see you in a month. No, I'm just, <laughs> just kind of kidding. Um, no, I mean, if, if, if we won the lottery, I mean, yes, of course it would change things. Um, would we, would we, you know, treat ourselves a little bit? Of course we would. Are we going to be moving into a super upscale area and changing all of our friends and stuff like that? No, we wouldn't. Um, would we be able to give back a lot quicker than we were planning on? Of course. And so, so yeah, I mean, if we won a lottery, I mean, you bet, you bet the, the high school family had the new uniforms and, you know, we would help out in a lot of ways that we could. But at the same time, you know, at that point, now do I build the UT rentals property management business that tries to take down 50, 100 houses around UT and completely transform a neighborhood? Yeah, let's go for it. You know, so so at that point, you know, that'd be kind of fun to try to make try to make happen. But uh, but no, I mean, you know, we, and money changes everybody. I mean, you hear about lottery winners all the time. Do I think that you know we're 
you know, mentally aware enough to try to avoid something like that happening. I think we are, but I think, I think we would, you know, we would be able to make pretty good use of that money and really just set up a bunch of people for a long time and yeah, just help out, help out the, the community. Love it, Dave. Um, so tell me, what, what is your vision for the next 12 months? What are you guys trying to build over there? I mean, honestly, it's, and, and again, it's, it's not sexy. It's just continuing to improve what we have. And so, um, and so this coming summer, you know, we, we had a lot of rehab happen this past summer. Some of it was planned. Others, other was not. And so, uh, so yeah, so honestly, these next 12 months, it's just keep doing what we're doing. I mean, it's, you know, it's, you know, improving the houses, paying debt down, you know, paying down the credit cards that we still have from the summer. You know, sometimes you, I mean, you just, you just got to do it. And so, so yeah, so next 12 months, just as, you know, as realtors, just kind of weather the storm that is starting to happen and no one knows how big of a storm it's going to be, but there will be a storm. We all know that. But, uh, but yeah, so just doing that and then working with, you know, working with the students more hands on because we'll be directly managing everything again. And so, uh, so yeah, so again, never a dull moment. Absolutely. Um, can't wait to see what you do for the city of Toledo, excuse me, the city of Toledo. Um, Dave Peppelmeyer, man, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for giving us a glimpse into your life and into your business and sharing all the stories about your journey. You're so close. I can't wait till you get there. Um, to those of you out there chasing freedom, freedom is accomplished one action at a time. And you can't go wrong helping people. If you're not helping people, you might make a lot of money, but you are never going to truly find freedom. So go out there and make a difference. Do so in the next seven days. Tell somebody you know that can hold you accountable. And before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you on the next one.